Hey there, and welcome to the Alinea Church Podcast, your place to get all of Alinea Church's previous messages, messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Join us this week as we begin our new series, God Is. Enjoy! All right, good morning to you, uh, Alinea Church. It's going to be a good day. Uh, just want to just recap a couple things uh, from this week. This week we wrapped up our first, uh, first ever week of dedication that we did as a church. And we basically uh, came together as a church and we fasted and prayed over the past seven days. And uh, we were in here every night from 6.30 to 7.30. And thank you for those who are a part of that. It was super special. Um, and we got to pray for a lot of things. I'm believing God to work uh, miracles on. This is one of the things uh, we got to do is uh, you left us prayer requests last week. And uh, we got to go through these cards. We laid them up on the uh, stage every night. And these were prayed over, and uh, I believe that God answers prayer. Uh, if I didn't, I wouldn't be in this business, right? And uh, there's, there's prayer. I, the things that I, w- I would see over and over on these prayer cards were, uh, God, I'm praying for the salvation of my friend. I'm praying for the salvation of my mother. I'm, I'm praying for a financial uh, breakthrough. There's a lot of people that are dealing with uh, financial struggles, uh, a lot of people dealing with with uh, uh, sickness and estranged relationships. So we just believe God's going to answer those prayers, and, and thank you for being a part of that. And that's something that's going to be in the regular diet and schedule of our church, is that we dedicate the coming year uh, the right way. We have a value here uh, as part of our DNA that we say that we pray as a first resort, not a last resort. Uh, we don't pray when, we've, when we finally hit rock bottom. We pray before we hit rock bottom. Uh, we pray uh, asking God to bless our endeavors and to, and to go with us and to give us wisdom. It's just like Moses said, he said, I do not want to go unless your presence goes with us. And that's how we believe and how we feel about Alinea Church. God, we, do, we don't even want to go into next Sunday if you're not here. Uh, I would rather just pack things up, sell it, you know, um, say be blessed and well fed and, and go do. We want the presence of God in this place. Uh, also, the first Wednesday of February, we're going to have our first ever uh, student uh, student night here in this building, and that is for both students and for parents. Uh, yes, parents, you are required to be here because uh, we're going to put you through torture. Uh, so you have to be you have to be a part of it just to set a good tone for for everything. All right. Well. I'm excited about this new series. You know, I was listening to, uh, um, I'm not a really good reader. Um, I'm very ADD. Um, I tend to read a passage and then um, about five minutes later, forget what I read uh, because I'm thinking about something else. Um, I read very, very slowly. Uh, so a lot of times what I'll do to make up my deficiencies is I'll, I'll grab an audible book and I'll, I'll listen to to Audible uh, on, my, on my way to, to work. And uh, the book I was just listening to is Malcolm Gladwell. is called Talking to Strangers. And he was talking about how we misunderstand each other so much in life. And it, we, he was going through all the reasons why we misunderstand each other. And we, misund- we misunderstand our facial expressions. We misunderstand our tones. We misunderstand our cultures. He gave the example of how Cortez... Uh, came to Mexico and, and met Montezuma, and Montezuma made a speech, and it went through two translators before it got to Cortez. And Cortez thought Montezuma was surrendering to him, 
And it was, in fact, the opposite of that. And we know how all that ended. It ended up with the death of Montezuma and Montezuma's revenge. Every time you go to Mexico, don't drink the water, right? That's why we say that. And uh, it just goes to show that, that if you do not understand someone, if you don't understand what makes them up, if you don't understand how they think or how they feel or how they process information, you will get things wrong all the time. In fact, I married a stranger. I don't know if you know that or know our story, uh, but my wife and I, we uh, were introduced via an email on Valentine's Day on 2000, in 2003. And uh, I sent her a really heartfelt, really heartfelt email that said, hey, you know, our friend Abby said, you know, we should meet. You can email me back if you want to. I don't care. And, and that, was, that was pretty much my, my romantic advances. And lo and behold, she emailed me back. So she must be really desperate. I'm not sure. And, uh, and uh, so we started doing this email thing. And then we started uh, doing uh, AOL, you know, Instant Messenger. Yeah, you remember that? You slip the disc in there and do the dial up with the, the torture sound. And uh, then we started talking uh, over phone. In fact, uh, my wife ran up a $700 cell phone bill because... I don't know if y'all know this, but cell phones didn't always used to be free calling. You know, it's like that dollar ninety-nine a minute, ninety-nine cents after thereafter. You know, so long distance wasn't free. So she she had to sell everything that she had to pay for that phone call. And uh, and so we would talk and we would talk and we would talk and uh, we talked for for three months and then finally I, I proposed to her and then we talked for another three months and then we got married. And I was in Texas and she was in Virginia or in Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee. And we, we, we calculated, we realized that we had spent a total of three weeks face-to-face -face before we ever walked down the aisle. Now, there's some things I wish I had known about her before we got married. <laughs> Not that it would have changed anything, but it would have given me a, a, a lot of, a, a different perspective. I mean, one of the things I didn't realize after we got married is that she didn't like coffee, hot dogs, pancakes, or guacamole, all right? Yeah, and so we got that figured. We fixed all that. I mean, I converted her on four out of four. I have yet to convert her on bananas. She hates bananas. So don't ever, don't ever like on Christmas or anything, bring her banana bread. It'll go straight in the trash. So don't do that. Um, she, she really likes British period dramas. Um, she really likes uh, Steel Magnolias. I think she's seen it like a hundred times. She doesn't cry, uh, only when I make her mad. That's only, like, I know I'm, I've done something wrong when she starts crying because I've made her mad. So I'm like, oh, this is bad. Um, she's very obsessed with Dolly Parton and Elvis Presley. Um, she can't sing, uh, not at all, <laughs> uh, not even a little. She told God she would never marry a pastor, and she also told God she would never marry a musician. So uh, she, God's like, ha ha, I have a sense of humor. Uh, this was a bad one. Um, she used to pray against Tennessee football because she had a rotten boyfriend that pulled for them. And so I had to disclose that to my kids and, and they nearly kicked her out of the house. So uh, thankfully she's been praying the other way. We've been doing great. So it's, it's awesome. Um, and she loves tulips. So if you ever want to get her flowers, she loves tulips. And uh, she is a fierce mama right? She is a fierce mama, and she's an, an awesome wife. It'll be 20 years for us this August. Um, yeah, so yeah, that whole internet thing, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work out or not. Uh, 
But the reason this is important, the more you understand someone, the more you can understand their motives, the more you can understand their means, the more you will understand their mission, what they're all about, what they're trying to accomplish. And what has happened in life when it comes to God, we have a false perception of who God is because of our experiences, right? Many of us have had bad experiences with a father, bad experiences with a father figure, and we end up attributing to God characteristics that we really should be attributing to fallen humans. We start to filter our perception of God through our own experiences. And I'm confident in this, that if, if you're wavering in your faith or if you walked away from the faith or even if you, you feel powerless about your faith, I believe it has more to do with your perception of your events exacted by sinful humans than it has to do with who God is or how he has operated in your life. In other words, God too often gets the reputation that we should be assigning to ourselves. In fact, I was, I was watching a message this past week from uh, a pastor in Atlanta, and he was talking about the different false gods that people have, and I wanted to read them to you because I thought they were very clever, because we, whether we know it, sometimes in life we can believe this is the God that I serve, and when this God that you serve fails you, you cease to believe in that God. But, you know, you have like the bodyguard God, uh, this is the God who never allows bad things to happen to good people. Uh, the on-demand God, all right? The on-demand God is one who responds to fair and selfless requests like you would, right? Uh, that, uh, I was like, ouch. Um, the boyfriend-girlfriend God. This is the God whose presence is always felt. I can just feel the presence of God. And, and then when you stop feeling the presence of God, you're like, man, what's up? Something's wrong with me or something's wrong with God. Uh, or the, the guilt God, the, the God who controls people through guilt and fear. He loves, but he does not like people, right? <laughs> the anti-science God, the God who requires us to live by either undeniable science or unreliable religion, air quotes, right? Or the, the gap God, the God who is the explanation for everything we can't explain. And, and, and maybe you, you hear those and you're like, yeah, I actually have felt that before and, and have caught myself. Or maybe I've, I've caught myself in that trap. And I want to call those counterfeit gods. And one of the things you may know about, not know about me is I used to work at a bank. I used to be a teller. And uh, one of the things we always had to do is we had to spot counterfeit bills. And the way that they taught you to, to catch counterfeit bills was not by showing you all the different counterfeits that were out there. The way that they taught you how to spot counterfeit bills is they would put you in front of the real thing as often as possible. The more that you could smell the money, the more that you could touch the money, the more that you could have it run through your hands, the more that you could feel its texture and how it how it reacted to certain pressures, the more, the more, and especially like the, the new ones where they always stick into each other. I always hated that. The money's always sticking to each other. But the more you got in front of the real thing, you could be flipping through the bills, counting out something and go, whoa, that doesn't feel right. That's like a, a micrometer too thick or a micrometer too thin or the, the ink doesn't feel right on it because I recognize the real thing. 
And that's what I want to do today is instead of talking about all the counterfeit ways we can perceive God, is I want to help you see the real God so that when you experience a counterfeit, you can recognize it immediately. And today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to kick off a new series called God Is. Like, who is God? What is God all about? What is God look like? What's he act like? What's his motives? What's his means? What's his, what's his mission? Because more than ever, it is crucial that we peel back the, the, the false perceptions, the dust, the grime, the fog, the lies that have covered up who God truly is. Because I know this, we do not worship God. We worship our perception of God. We worship our concept of God because that's how we interpret him. That's how we receive him. In fact, that's a, an important principle we have to understand is how you perceive someone is how you will receive someone. How you will perceive someone is how you will receive someone. You know, I, I used to be at a church in, in Virginia and uh, me and this guy started it together and he was my friend and he was my pal and we would drive from one city to another city, two and a half hours every weekend to help lead this church. And I perceived him as my buddy, my pal, but I never received him as my pastor. And I had to change the way that I perceived him, that he was not just my friend, he was my pastor, he was my spiritual authority so that he could speak into my life. Because up until that point, I would not allow him to speak into my life. But the thing is, is the same is true about God. How you perceive God is how you receive God. Because if you perceive God as some angry old person up in heaven, just waiting for you to slip up so he can zap you with his electric thunderbolt, you will start to receive and perceive all the circumstances in your life through that filter. If you perceive that God is distant, then then you will receive him in such a way that you feel like your prayers aren't going anywhere. If you perceive that God is uncaring, when you go through trouble, you will feel alone and you will feel isolated. If you perceive that God always plays favorites, you'll compare yourselves to other successes and feel like God is not for you. But the opposite is true. If you, if you perceive that God is good, then you will know that the doors that he has closed were for your good and not for your harm. That if you perceive that God is with you, you will pray bigger prayers that are full of faith. If you believe that God is compassionate, you will recognize his loving embrace every time the world hits hard. If you recognize and perceive that God is a God of principles, you will begin to obey his commands and reap the benefits. And what I want to begin a conversation with you today is the attributes of God. Because I need you, the church needs you, the world needs you, the world needs us to have the right concept, the right perspective, and the right understanding of who God is. I mean, just look at what Daniel said. He said, with flattery, he will corrupt those who act wickedly toward the covenant, but the people who know their God... The people who know their God will be strong and take action. So what is an attribute? It's the first point on your, on, your, on your sheet. What is an attribute? Well, if you look at it and you're to kind of like play around with the letters, you start to see 
some of the root letters or root words that are in there, and you can split it and you can say a tribute. If you were to bring a tribute to someone, you will bring to them the distinct characteristics of who they are. You will bring to them and say, hey, you are good. Hey, you are so generous. You're bringing them a tribute. And that is what an attribute is, is it's his character. It's who God is, because we need to understand that God acts out of his character, not the other way around. God's character is not built on how he acts. He acts out of his character. Look what it says in Psalms 119.68. You are good and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. So God does good because he is good. Look what Exodus 34.6 says. The Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. So because he's compassionate and gracious, he is what? Slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving inequity, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. So he is compassionate. Because he's compassionate, he's slow to anger. He's patient with us. He's caring with us. So what are some of the attributes that we can see in God? Well, 1 Timothy 1.17 has got a great list, but I want to give you a bigger list. And it says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. So Timothy right there, he says he's eternal, he's immortal, he's invisible. Right? He's eternal, he's immortal, he's invisible. And this is what has really been tough for me planning this series. I'm like, I'm going to do a series on the attributes of God. And I'm going to do it in, I don't remember how many weeks I've planned this, like four or five, six weeks. It's like five or six weeks. I, I could take five years and I would, not, I would be touching the, the tip of the iceberg of who God is. It's almost an impossible ask to say, can you define who God is and all of his attributes? Because God is unsearchable. God is so great. God, God is so hard to to comprehend. He's incomprehensible. But the Bible does give us some clear attributes, some clear characteristics that if we can understand these and get these inside of us, it'll help us to go, hey, that, that perception I have of God is counterfeit. It's not the real thing. I need to rebuke that. That is not what God wants in my life. But here's just a list of them. I'm not going to go through all, all these. I can't explain all these, but like God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. By our sins, we are fed. Give us our daily bread. Amen. You know, you learned that one like when you were like three years old, right? God is good. God is eternal. God is immortal. God's invisible. He is gracious. He is loving. He is truthful. He is compassionate. He is holy. He is righteous. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's faithful. He's immutable, which is a great word. I love immutable. You know what immutable means? He doesn't change. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is self-sufficient. He is wise. He is glorious. Now you can see why I have such a hard time. Like, how am I supposed to divide this up? But we're going to tackle it. We're going to try to do this together, right? And I think the best place to start in trying to define God and what God is like is how God presented himself to man. And that's in the person of Jesus Christ. I think that is the best place to start. In fact, if you look at John 14, 6 through 11, 
Jesus told him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Great passage, right? Jesus is like, hey, you want to know who the Father is? You need to know me. Now, this is what we do. We do what Philip did. Look what Philip says. Lord, show us the Father. That's enough for us. And he's like, come on, guys. Didn't I just say this? Was it like it had to be a broken record? Jesus said, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? And I wonder in our lives if we're trying to figure out God and, and, and Jesus is like, how long have I been with you and you still don't know me? You still don't understand? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Another, another passage, another uh, version says, believe the evidence. That Jesus gave us evidence that he came from the Father. Jesus gave us evidence that he was one with the Father. In fact, there's a passage in John where he's talking about the Sabbath and they wanted to kill him because they said, he said, I am the son of God. And they said, he is equating himself with God. Of course he was because he was God in the flesh. He was God in the flesh. He was God the son. And what we need to do is we need to always filter our relationship always filter our perception of who God is through the person of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus told us to do. He said, I and the Father are one. You want to know God's will? You see what I'm doing. You want to know if I'm with the Father? Then look at the evidence that I'm presenting to you. I am... I and the Father are one. In fact, Hebrews 1.3 continues this whole idea when the writer says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He is the exact representation of the Father. He is the exact representation of God because he is God in the flesh. And he showed us his mission. He showed us his means. He showed us his motive when he was here because he was like, I want you to see who, the, who God really is and it is personified in me as Jesus Christ, the son of God. That is who God is. But one of the things about attributes as we explore, and this really this message today is just an introductory to what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks because we're going to dig into some specific things about who God is. But one of the things you need to understand about an attribute, and you look at all the, all the commentaries and all the study guides on an attribute and, and the character of God, and, and they always put them in two different buckets. There is communicable attributes of God, and incommunicable attributes of God. Meaning, if it is a communicable attribute of God, it is something that you can have as well. Communicable means I can share. Like if, if you have a communicable virus, you can share that with someone else and get them sick, right? That, that's a communicable disease. Well, 
there's communicable attributes of God that God wants to impart onto you. There's incommunicable attributes of God. God is invisible. Right? I haven't seen anybody been able to pick that one up yet. Right? God is omniscient. Can't, can't, can't do that one. God's all-powerful. Not going to swing that one. God's all-knowing. Nope. Can't do that one either. Those, those are all incommunicable, incommunicable attributes of God. But the communicable attributes of God, this is where I got really excited when I was studying for this message. Because if you look at the word attribute, the first thing that we talked about was a attribute is a what? A tribute to God. But if you look at the word attribute again, you can see a root word there, and it's that root word tribe. And listen to what it says when you look at the definition of tribe. The distinct characteristics of a group of people who have descended from one person. Amen. Think about that. There are attributes of God that He wants you to pick up. Distinct characteristics of a group of people that have descended from one person. Who have we descended from? Jesus, because we were adopted into his sonship. We were adopted into the family of God. It says that we are co-heirs with Jesus. I'm gonna give you an example of what this looks like. We love, why? Because he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. And that means that the more that we get to understand who Jesus is, the, the bigger picture that we have of who God is, which is like my, my big prayer for all of us this year is that we get a bigger view of who God is. And that's why we're starting this year off with this series, because I know the bigger view you have of God, the more right view you have of God, it will change your worship. It will change your generosity. It will change your kindness. It will change your compassion. It will change your personal mission. It will change your evangelism. It will change everything about everything that you do because you will realize that you are his and you are to be like Christ and you are to be kind and compassionate and you are supposed to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. You're supposed to be full of love and full of joy and full of peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Where, where did those things come from? He didn't just make those things up because he was like, I'm gonna create a new creation, the church, and I'm gonna make up these fruits and I'm gonna stick them in them. Here you go. No, he gave us those fruits of the Spirit because that's who he is. God is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Those are attributes of God that he wants to ingrain in us and turn us more into the image of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came, is to give us an image of who God is. He came to die on a cross to redeem you from your sin. He came to die on a cross to make a way for us to have relationship with the Father. He came to die on a cross 
because we had already in the garden doubted God's goodness. And we said, you know what? We can figure this out on our own. And if you look at the story of the Old Testament, it is story after story after story after story after story after story after story. You get my point of us rehashing the garden over and over and over and over. God, I know, yeah, you might be God, but I doubt your goodness. I'm gonna trust my own way. Every mishap, every failing in the Old Testament, every failing that you have in your life today can be traced back to the same attitude we had in the garden, which is, I'm sorry, God, I doubt your goodness. I can figure it out on my own. And Jesus came and he said, I'm gonna put an end to this. I'm going to lay my life down for you. And we are able to love because he first loved us. That's why it's important to understand who God is. Because if you do not understand who God is in your life and who God is in the world, you might as well be talking to strangers and you will misunderstand every event, every circumstance, every relationship, every calling in your life if you do not have a right perspective of the nature and the character of God. Would you pray with me? God, we love you and we give you glory. God, you were holy and you were just. You were good and you were eternal. You're immortal. You're invisible. You're gracious. You're loving. You're truthful. You're compassionate. You're holy. You're righteous. You're omnipresent. You're omnipotent. You're omniscient. You're faithful. You're immutable. You're self sufficient. You're wise. You're glorious. You were all those things and you saw fit to love us. While we were still in our sin, you loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us so that we might have a relationship with the Father. God, be glorified in us. Lord, help us to have a right relationship. Help us to have a right perspective. Help us to evaluate our circumstances through the character of God, not vice versa. Help us to begin and end with your heart, begin and end with you, begin and end with your nature and your character. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. We're going to continue this series over the next few weeks just talking about, we're going to unpack this, like what, what is the nature of God and what's the character of God and we're going to look at the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at some specific attributes of God. And I encourage you to be here for this because it is so important that we understand who God is in our lives. As we close, a couple of things I want to remind you of. If you call Alinea home, thank you so much for giving. We do not take your trust in us lightly. Uh, there are several ways that you can give. Uh, we, we practice a, a spiritual discipline here called tithes and offerings. And tithe is simply a, a, a Bible word that means a tenth. And uh, uh, we encourage you to give a tenth of everything that God has blessed you. You know, I don't even like to say give. I like to say return back to God because it's not mine anyway. 
It's God's. And I'm returning back to him a tenth of everything that he's given to me. That's called a tithe. And an offering is over and above. Um, and there are a few ways that you can do that. Uh, you can go to alineachurch.org forward slash give and give that way. Uh, you can also text the keyword, or I always say that, that's wrong. You can text the amount to 84321. You don't even have to have a keyword. It's smart enough to, to figure out what you're doing and it'll spit back a, a form for you that you can fill out. Or we have a box here on the back left entrance that says give here. Uh, you can give uh, old school with a, with a check uh, or uh, cash money. That's supposed to be funny. That wasn't funny, was it? <laughs> just keep me in. Just, just, no, just, just keep me accountable. Like, that wasn't funny. Um, but we do thank you for your giving. Uh, our 201 class is going to be immediately over here to the left hallway. We encourage you to be uh, there for that. Remember, if you have a student, we have our first Wednesday. It's going to be our parents and student night. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you come up and see me after services? If you have a heart for students, we are looking for more student leaders uh, and could use some help in that area. Um, uh, right now, it's going to be my wife and I leading students, and uh, just pray for the students because I'm pretty boring. Uh, so so uh, we'll be doing that. But thank you all so much. Uh, don't forget, take your pens with you on the way out. Use them as an invite tool, and we love you. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Well, thank you for tuning in today. If you would like more information about Alenia Church, you can go to aleniachurch.org forward slash connect. There you can enter in your information. You can ask about more information about the church, and you can even let us know if you've prayed to receive Christ. We would love to put a free gift in your hand to equip you on this new journey. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to aleniachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alinea Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Our prayer is that we are able to begin video recording these messages in the 2022 year and your giving will help make that possible. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't yet have a church home, we would love to host you at Alinea Church, meeting at Oakland Middle School, 453 Desjarnet Drive, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We hope to see you there. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.